What if you're good friends with another couple and the wife there is a little too attentive to your husband? Or another question, another patron's asking, what if both my spouse and I are experiencing post-infidelity stress disorder? The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. And we kind of have an exciting episode for you this week. This is episode number 152. And today we're going to be handling two questions from patrons of our podcast. So we'll be on holiday right after this is recorded. But by the time you hear this episode, we'll actually be back. But it's actually, it's nice to have them kind of in the hopper. We're not stressing when we get home. So doing these Q&A sessions just helps give us a break from our regular programming while continue to offer value to the thousands of couples that tune in every week to our show. Hey there, before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed shared hobbies and leisure activities. That was actually kind of an interesting thing. We got to go deep on some stuff. It's worth going back and checking out. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. If you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice. And most of all, we offer hope. So Caleb, let's get to these two questions. Okay. The first question comes from Chewy and it's really long, but it gives a lot of detail. So it's good. Yeah, which is good. Yep. And Chewy asks, can you talk about boundaries with other married couples? My best friend began to make jokes that were borderline sexually inappropriate. Pun on words type humor that I don't necessarily find humorous, but a few times my husband would join in and banter. He is very wordy, and so I felt like this was a threat to our relationship. At times, I felt that my friend envied our relationship, and especially my husband's attention to me and his financial provision for our family. I have also felt that my husband has appreciated her attentiveness and appreciation of his actions. I feel that she is just more immature in her faith and Christian walk, but have began to wonder how often we should be in community with her and her husband. I have also seen her be more attentive to another mutual married guy friend. I feel for her because I think her actions come from a hurting place. My husband seems to be vulnerable to words of affirmation in general because that tends to be his love language and I'm more practical. I don't praise as often because I'm busting my butt just as much as he is, working full time and managing a lot of the household tasks like schooling and budgeting. I want to be more vocal in my appreciation because I think he needs it, but I can't manage to do so without feeling fake. I say things like, thank you. I really appreciate your help. I love that you can XYZ to help me, but I feel like he wants more praise in the way of you're my hero. I don't know how you can do that or more over the top type comments that I can't seem to say without feeling like I'm worshiping him. My husband and I experienced a difficult few years due to other circumstances. I talked to an old boyfriend via Instagram and it was clear this old flame still felt attentive towards me. My husband went on a revenge track to show me he was attractive too. We have since with the help of your podcast worked through this phase. So that was in brackets. My husband and I experienced a difficult few years due to other circumstances and feel that he may have been vulnerable to her attention more than he normally would. Is that that's to this friend? To this friend. Yes. To her attention. The friend's attention. Yes. Okay. I'm assuming it's the friend's attention. I think so. 
Okay. We have talked these instances through multiple times, but now I'm wondering how do we balance a healthy mix of time for just him and I to rebuild our bond and strengthen our marriage with time for our two families to be together? We both have small children and are in very similar phases of life, but their family has a dysfunctional marriage, at least more so than ours, or maybe just different. I've tried encouraging and it seems to help, but I can't help but feel that I'm just not sure what healthy in this case should look like. Our kids very much enjoy being together and our families have fun when hanging out. How can I tell if we have crossed into dangerous territory or if I'm just being oversensitive? I will say that my husband is more passive and isn't necessarily the one instigating shared time. It more comes from my friend and her husband seems to go along with it. We are all Christians and looking to raise our kids with good examples. I have felt a tension between feeling like I need to limit shared time and also being a good friend. I am more of a homebody and prefer to just hang with my husband, who also would be okay doing the same, but I know we need community time as well. Help. Hmm. Okay. Where should we start on this one? Uh, why don't you tell me? Because I don't know. Okay. Well, I think that we should come back to the boundaries question because she put the question out. Yes. Asking for help about boundaries. Yes. But like I... How should I put this? When I get a question, I like to try to go for the question behind the question. Yes, you do. Because I think that often the, the deeper question is there and it's harder to frame, but it's there and it needs to be acknowledged. And I'm wondering if, if Chewy here, that's the name she gave, right? Yeah. Is not feeling secure. She made that statement. He may have been vulnerable to her attention. Right. Right. And so I'm just kind of, I'm trying to put myself into that living room as an observer and saying now, okay, Chewie is feeling threatened by mm -hmm. this other woman. So she's not feeling secure in her bond. So if she can't rest in the strength of something like if, let me just kind of put it this way. If, if, if you're in a situation, right. And let's say you felt in that moment, a, a very secure bond to me and you had no doubt about that. And then somebody was making comments that were, a woman was making comments that were more landing towards me, mm -hmm. right then what would you feel towards that lady? I'd be mad. Or a woman. You'd be mad at her, right? Yeah. And I'm sure Chewy gets there too. Chewy has spoken a lot more about things that I think that represent the, maybe the possibility that she's not feeling secure in this relationship with her husband. Right. Then about anger towards this woman, because she's still willing to continue. She just doesn't quite know how to set boundaries or not. Yeah. And so I think Chewy, I guess what I'm wondering is what if we worked on strengthening that bond between you guys? Okay. Because as you said, like in the part that was in parentheses, you've, there's been some emotional attentiveness in other directions mm -hmm. and outside of the marriage. So again, that kind of, to me, that's just a little bit more evidence for the sort of the, the case that I'm building in my head here. And like, forgive me if I'm getting off on a track here, but I just kind of see a couple when she's asking this question that are not a hundred percent secure. They want to work on their marriage. They want to make things better, but they're not really connected to each other. And she's not so deeply in love with this guy and him back to her that now even like praising doesn't feel like it's real mm -hmm. genuine, right? Mm -hmm. So one thing that can be helpful is like, cause she asked this question or I don't know if she asked the question directly, but I hear her kind of saying too, how do I praise without worshiping him? Yes. Right. That was definitely in there. And, and so when I hear that, I'm kind of wondering Chewie for you, if, if in behind that you're, you're just not feeling enough good mojo for him that you could really do this genuinely and you don't want to fake it. Right. So good for you for being real, right? Yeah. And being honest about where you're at on that. Dr. John Gottman, he would talk about the fondness and admiration system in marriage, which is just exactly what it sounds like. That fondness and admiration system for is something that healthy couples do really well as part of sustaining a secure marriage bond. 
Mm-hmm. They just have a fundamental level of fondness for each other mm-hmm. and admiration for each other. Okay. Okay. And so that goes beyond like gratitude, like thank you, thank you for, for your help. Dishes. Yeah. It's more like towards who each other is. So it's appreciation for their character. There's yeah. Rather than their actions. Yeah, you're loving the soul, not mm. just the uh, the dishwasher. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's terrible, but yes. Yeah. Yes. And it sounds like possibly your fondness and admiration system could use a boost. It would benefit from from that, right? And so what I'm going to challenge you on, Chewy, is is because, and I'm going to come back to boundaries and the friend and that kind of thing. That's something you can do too. But in terms of your marriage and what you can do for yourself, something that's within your influence, within your own reach, right? Mm-hmm. Because we want to give you tools rather than staking this on your husband doing something better. Yes, right? absolutely. Because that's a very powerless place to be in. But could you start with gratitude? And when I say gratitude, I don't mean the thank you for the dishes gratitude. That's great. Like keep doing that. Do more of that if you can. But I mean inside yourself, internal thankfulness. Don't even worry for now about giving voice to this. Oh, okay. But this is really just you in your heart kind of reopening that part of gratitude towards your husband, like a genuinely felt internal appreciation for who he is. Okay. Things you can notice and be fond of. Can you help me with an example here, maybe? Like, um, like being, uh, being gentle with the kids, right? Or you know, so, being generous with his time, or right. so more than him um, seeing what he's doing, it's seeing how he's doing it, or the the place that he's doing it from, mm. and acknowledging those things and having a deliberate moment of stopping and saying, you know what, that is something in him that I value. Mm-hmm. That I don't want to take for granted. That's a it's a true piece of who he is that I I admire. Okay, now we're working on the admiration. Admiration, piece, right? yeah, yeah. And then on the fondness part, and this may need to come a little bit after the admiration, or you can try it off the start. I don't know. But when Verlinda and I were talking through this, I asked the question to Verlinda. I said, "Do you think that this couple that they could hug each other and completely relax into each other in that hug?" Mm-hmm. You did so that no one person is entirely supporting themselves. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. And so I would like to encourage you guys to work on loving non-sexual touch. Okay. Whether a hug or whatever format that is. And if, you, if you're if you like, well, I'm not the huggy person, then that's exactly my point. Oh, right? why? Why? Because because I think that like we're wired for touch. We have oxytocin. Right. When good touch happens with people that we love. Okay. And And if you're not a huggy person... That may be more a feature of your family of origin experiences than of your biological predisposition, which this now is confronting you with work that you need to do. Okay. If you're saying I'm not a huggy person and you're trying this and it's not working. Then you know that you have work to do because you should be a huggy person. Well, I'm not saying everybody needs to be super touchy-feely, but can you lean into this? Can you relax into this? And if you can't, if there's a rigidness, if there's a holding back, if there's some block, mm-hmm. then at least now you have information about something that you can work on. You know what you're, you're facing. Okay. And do you think they'll know the reason why they couldn't relax into it if they can't? They will know the reason whether they need someone to help them uncover it. I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. But like, if you're thinking like, therapists don't know why people do this. They just help people figure out why they run into their issues. Okay. Like these things, right? Okay. So, but with the loving non-sexual touch and and that just sort of like... I don't know what else to call it other than leaning into that mm-hmm. and the genuine admiration, the fondness, that kind of the thankfulness, the internal gratitude without worrying about the pressure of giving voice to it. I think when she's starting to feel enough of that, she'll find ways to give voice to that. That will mean to him what he would like to hear. Okay. And it'll be very natural and she won't feel like she's worshiping him. 
or being fake or right. Okay. And this this strengthening or the strengthening of this system will help secure the bond that is between you so that when you're in situations where you have people that are showing interest in your spouse, mm-hmm. you will be able to rely on the bond and you can just get irritated with the person that's doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I think too, it would even help the spouse receiving the interest yeah. to turn back to their wife or yeah. their husband, their spouse. Yeah. And like in, I'm uncomfortable here too. I'm glad you're here. Yeah. Like the attentiveness will have no appeal. No, just uncomfortable. They're getting perhaps. all the right healthy attentiveness that they need. Okay. Home. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. Now let's talk about boundaries. So this is kind of an interesting one. If, if a person is not a friend of your marriage, Ooh, then are they a true friend? Should they be a friend? Huh? Is what I would say. Like there's, it's interesting. Yeah. I'm, let's go to an extreme example. Okay. Okay. There is married people that do missions work with sex trade workers. Yes. Okay. Who, I mean, you could consider that to be a very high risk situation as far as a marriage goes, because now you're getting to know people and in some sense, spiritually intimate with yeah, yeah. people in the sex trade, right? And it could be a very threatening situation. Like how do those people stay secure? How do they know they're safe? Right? Yeah. Those kinds of questions. Yeah. So part of this is about what's in your marriage and part of this is about what's outside your marriage. So mm-hmm. in one sense, if what is in your marriage is strong enough and everybody's aware of that strength and, mm-hmm. and valuing it, that's a huge resiliency factor against infidelity of any right. sort, emotional, okay. physical, whatever. Okay. And that's why people can do that kind of missions work without a bunch of marriages feeling like they're in crisis. So they have to worry all the time. Okay. It's because what you guys have, right? It may be though that if, if you're in a vulnerable place, in terms of your marriage and there's not a bond between you and there's other people that are offering to connect in to one spouse or the mm-hmm. other spouse, then you're not in a place where you can have this kind of friendship. Maybe this friendship needs to go on the back burner for a bit and you can come back to it later. Okay. And maybe maybe it would be healthier. Maybe it would just feel safer for you to be in relationship with another couple where they have something really good going on. Mm, yeah. Right? Yeah. So your boundaries around your marriage may need to fluctuate depending on the strength of your marriage. Okay. So what do you think then about like these two wives getting together with their kids? Because obviously the families are good friends and the kids enjoy, they get along together and all. So would you say the families should kind of take a break for a while or? I don't know. The wives get together without the husbands or? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the wives could have time during the day and maybe that would satisfy some of the, they could kind of keep the friendship warm that way without the, the couple interaction that is more concerning. Yeah. And then the other thing that you guys could do or consider doing is just having a more open conversation at some point and saying, you know what, I feel like we've got a little off track as a couple friendship here. Yeah. With our humor with each other. And can we, can we just revisit the, the innuendo piece and let's just, let's try to be more holy with what we're doing. Okay. Just. So have the conversation with the other couple. Yep. That, that would be a really uncomfortable conversation. I think that'd be a really difficult conversation not to go to. Like, I don't appreciate the attention you're giving my husband. No, 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 no. Sorry. No, I mean, uh, what I'm saying or what I'm observing is she's saying that the innuendo seems to be a bit of a springboard into attention or something like that. So I'm just saying like, if you guys have an element in your conversation track that you're not Mm. happy with, can you stop that together? So it's just saying, look, I noticed last time and try to take all the ownership on yourself and not let them have to take any. Rather than blame. Yep. So there's no defensiveness that you're prompting, but can you guys, the next time you meet, just kind of say at the start, 
or even if I don't know what you want to do, but it's just kind of like, you know what? I noticed our conversation has gone down an unhealthy track sometimes the last little while with some innuendo, not like anything bad is going on, but we're just making sexual jokes. And I'm wondering if we could challenge ourselves to have holy conversation tonight <laughs> since you're both Christian couples, right? So just yeah. say, can we re- revisit our values and try to guide that a little bit? That's very explicit. If you guys, I mean, you'll know your situation in there and what you're comfortable with and how that's all going to go. Yeah. That's one option. Another option is that you and hubby could just agree that we're not going to laugh at those jokes anymore. And we're going to see if they can pick up on the nonverbal cues and adjust. Okay. Change the topic and... Yeah. Huh. Okay. Do you think we've provided enough help for yeah. this question? Yeah. And if those don't work, like if they don't pick up on those cues then or they could. don't honor it, then you need to set the bound. You need to take you that could. break. and you could. Yeah, make it. No, you could go to the more explicit one of saying, okay, we're doing this. Can we stop? Okay. And then if that still doesn't work. If they don't respect that. Yeah. Then maybe it's just not a good idea. Yeah. Take a break. Okay. Hopefully you have some other friendships. Okay. So the balance that she's asking about is going to be basically what they're comfortable with. Yeah. How blunt and open they want to be with this couple versus just kind of severing the ties. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully that's a help to you, Chewy. Yeah. And uh, reach help if you guys need some help. Caleb, we have another question from Marky Mark, who says, can you please discuss how to proceed if both partners are experiencing PISD, which is post-infidelity stress disorder, simultaneously? Okay. So there's not a lot of detail here, but... No, it's a short question, but I'm going to assume that one person maybe had an affair and then the other person responded with an affair like a revenge yeah. affair or something like that, or else maybe both of you were betrayed in previous major relationships and now you're married to each other and okay. what happened. In either case, it's kind of whatever the betrayal was previously for either of you, there's trauma on the other on, that the other person is experiencing and now you're coming into this together and you're like, we're both bouncing off each other. Yeah, okay. yeah. So post-infidelity stress disorder, this is about trauma, as I already mentioned. So it... Uh, you know, just a reminder that in our in our love as couples, in our marriage bond, there's like a deep, deep connection to each other. It mm-hmm. should be a safe harbor. It should be a secure base, our marriage, that we can come back to. Okay. And when something like this happens, it threatens the safety of, at the most fundamental level, it's like everything we know, our world gets shaken at its core, right? Okay. And so that's a very traumatic experience. And and that really shakes our, our view of the world. And it really throws us back into this fight, fight, freeze mode where... Flight or fright. Yeah. Flight, flight fright, or fight. Freeze. There's actually... Flight or fight. Oh, yeah. And there's faint, which some people do too. Oh. Uh, either physically or just kind of emotionally. But anyways, the there's now these cues, triggers, whatever that happens. So this can mm-hmm. come up, right? And, uh, and this is a really challenging situation because it's hard to support each other when you can barely hold on to yourself. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so this is a point in which I would say, you know, doing couples work together is not your first step. Probably your first step is to do individual work around the trauma. Okay. And to seek uh, some kind of trauma therapy, whether that's going to be somatic experiencing. And you, you want to, when you're choosing a therapist or reading books of this nature, you want to look these things up and find the right person. Mm-hmm. Because you want to do trauma therapy, which would be like a somatic experiencing. That's one form of trauma therapy. Um, internal family systems can be helpful in this. EMDR is very helpful. It's a well-documented prescribed approach for dealing with trauma. And you guys can do that work individually. And I would suggest that would probably be a strong place to start. Okay. And what that's going to do is help you make sense of the memories of the traumatic event of the betrayal. And then you kind of, it's called integrating those memories, which just means you're making sense of them from a safe place. 
And when you make sense of them from a safe place, the the freaking out part of them disappears. If I could just kind of use some vernacular, it, it gets resolved so that it's not the profound threat that it was. And you can look back on those events, maybe with sadness, a sense mm-hmm. of loss, those kinds of things. And those, and those are hard emotions to feel, but they're not traumatic emotions to feel. Okay. So when you integrate those memories and you make sense of them and that's calmed down, then you're not, when these things come up, you're not in that flight, fright, freeze mode. Okay. all the time, right? Now from a calmer place, then you can begin to come back together as a couple in couples therapy, that kind of thing. I don't mean come back together as in live together. I just mean to, to make sense. Like you sense can stay of, living together through this. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But to make sense of your world and your new, and to start to create your new meaning and okay. the new definition of who you are as a couple and how you're going to be safe with each other. Okay. You can, you can make sense of the affairs uh, if this is infidelity that's happened in your marriage okay, and the meaning to them. And when you begin to understand them and make sense of them together, then you become wiser and you also become more intimate and you learn how to meet each other's needs because of what wasn't being met and maybe why it went elsewhere, that kind of thing. Okay. So that whole sort of sense making after reducing the trauma now is just kind of moving it to the next level. Mm-hmm. And I think that'll help you guys to to find peace. Okay to a place where you can support each other because you've worked on the trauma first. You've reduced the traumatic impact or you made sense of it. Okay. Yeah. Right. Because they don't have the support of the spouse if the spouse is dealing with the same emotions all the time. When one person runs into this, it could trigger it in the other one. Yeah. Like it's not even, it's um, uh, affair and betrayal aside. Mm -hmm. If if one, like let's say um, one spouse had an abusive childhood. Mm-hmm. And the other spouse becomes aware of this. They start learning about it. They can get vicarious traumatization. Really? So the quote unquote healthy spouse is is now becoming traumatized by what the other person went through, right? Oh, And then okay. it's hard to reach into that, right? So, you know, you may be traumatized by seeing how traumatic it was for your spouse mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to experience your betrayal while experiencing your own trauma for their betrayal. Oh my. We got stuff on top of stuff. So this is where yeah. I would tend to recommend possibly considering individual work on trauma first. And then uh, when you feel that that's more integrated, more resolved, calmer than coming back together. Right. Okay. You say this coming back together. I don't. Okay. There it is. When I say, sorry, when I say coming back together, I don't mean people have moved out and they're moving back in. Okay. I mean, you're doing couples work as opposed to individual work. Okay. Like coming so together you're, to you're a counselor or with one counselor in the same room. Okay. Thanks <laughs> gotcha. for clarifying that. Gotcha. Yeah. And uh, if you want to do some reading on this, Dennis Ortman uh, is the person who's really pioneered the understanding of PISD. Uh, his book is called Infidelity as a Traumatic Experience. Would highly recommend that. Yeah. And uh, if I would just say too, if you're experiencing PISD simultaneously, again, not knowing your background, if sex addiction is part of this, mm-hmm. then the spouse's work and your work, like each of you, uh, should be like on the same plane doing work for to get to help and healing from the sex addiction and recovery, I would say. What do you mean by on the same plane? I just saying that... Uh, it's just as important? Yeah. It's like the spouse needs to do as much work as the addict needs to do. Okay. Because of the trauma that is associated with this and the usually what happens is ongoing like small bits of disclosure over time mm-hmm, and trying mm-hmm. to manage that addiction. And now this it almost becomes a lifestyle of management on one side and addict on the other side. Mm. So unfortunately, both of those require equal amounts of help, certainly in the beginning phases. Okay. Recovery. Okay. Well, thanks for those, Caleb. Yes. Next week, uh, we're going to be taking two more questions from our patrons. 
And as we said before, these Q&A episodes allow us to take a break and still give you all something to learn from as well. So we hope you enjoyed today's show and we'll be back with more questions and answers next week. Yes. And please note that these Q&A episodes are intended to be psychoeducational and they're a self-help tool and they do not replace individual counseling or married couples counseling. Okay. That's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes. Are we doing full show notes on these? Well, we're going to write up the question. Okay. You can get the show notes. Sort of. I took the word full out. Oh, and I just said it anyways. I've never done before. (laughs) Okay. Well, you can get the show notes at oif.link slash 153 and find out how you can help help us reach more marriages. Go to oif.support. Thanks. (laughs) And we'll see you next week. We clearly need a lot of help. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.